Every now and then at the Plugged In Show, we get what my grandmother might have called a special treat. And friends, we've got one of those today. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of the Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. So what is the special treat, you ask? Well, I am glad you asked. I'm... I'm afraid I can't hand deliver a hot fudge sundae or, you which know. Which would be nice. Which would be nice. Or yeah. one of those you things where they. You could deliver a hot fudge sundae to me. You could. I, to, what about the four of us? Do we get hot fudge sundaes? You know, I'm going to have to think about that. You guys uh, are making me hungry. I, 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 I mean, no, no offense, listeners. Okay. I mean, we want you we to get, get a hot fudge sundaes too. Reese's yeah. peanut butter cups in it or something. Uh, those are the kind of special treats that I normally think of. And I would love to deliver one of those to each of you who are listening today, but obviously I can't do that. So we're going to do the next best thing. Today we're talking with Christian filmmakers Alex and Stephen Kendrick. Um, You know them from movies like Overcomer and Facing the Giants and War Room. I mean, it's a long list of movies that they have made. And we're also being joined by actor Kirk Cameron, and they're going to be telling us about their new film, Life Mark. It comes out next week on September 9th. And we're going to give you an advanced look so you can have a sense of what this particular movie is all about. And in our second segment, we're going to be talking with Paul Acey, Jonathan McKee, and Emily Clark about the latest Marvel superhero TV show to land on Disney Plus, She-Hulk. But before we jump in, you know, wherever you listen to the Plugged In show, we would love for you to take a minute to leave a review for others who might be wondering what this conversation is all about. That'll help them to navigate and maybe give them some information they need. And also, it'll help us out. So thanks for doing that. So with no further ado, let's hear from the Kendrick Brothers and Kirk Cameron. Imagine how scared she must have been. She was pregnant when she graduated. And then the decision to place you for adoption must have been the hardest decision of her entire life. I feel like it's always an event when a new Kendrick Brothers movie is on the horizon. And that's exactly where we're at with the new film Life Mark coming to theaters on September 9th. It's a Fathom Events release. And at the moment, it's scheduled to run in theaters for seven nights. But if it's successful, uh, guys, you said there's the, the opportunity for it to perhaps go longer than that. Is that correct? That, that's exactly right. You know, we're, we're excited about what Fathom is doing. They're doing something they've never done before in the manner that they're releasing LifeMark. They're very excited about it. So if people start responding and supporting this pro-life, pro-adoption film, they're going to extend it, which means more audiences can see it. So we hope that happens. It's pro-awesome, pro-inspirational, <laughs> pro-Kirk. <laughs> it's, that, it, it is. It's one of these movies that I think Uh, is so unique in its content in that it's not about a political issue. Some people may try to position and frame it that way, like, oh, this is a pro-life movie and pro-choice people are going to be upset. No, it's not that. You know what this is? This is just a true story that I think offers the answer to the pro-life, pro-choice debate. And that is it's pro-love. And Mm -hmm. as Stephen often says, If we can look at this issue through the lens of love, it brings clarity and courage to everyone and nobody gets murdered in the process. Right. Uh, Right. That's that's good news. That's right. No riots in the street, no slinging mud, (laughs) not necessary. So 
Well, I feel like we're jumping in about five questions from where I wanted to start today. Um, Bro, you, you need know, to catch up with us. This interview, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's. I want to just back up for those who aren't familiar with the story. Give us just a thumbnail overview of what this story is about. Obviously, you've hinted that there's a pro-life angle, but there's also another huge issue here that really the story revolves around. So tell us about it. Well, you know, uh, Kirk actually introduced a small documentary to us uh, about three years ago, and it was called I Lived on Parker Avenue, short documentary based on this story of this uh, teenage girl who rolls off the abortion table at the last second, hmm. decides she's going to place her baby for adoption. It's adopted by a Christian couple who could not have their own children. And when that baby, they named David, when David grew up to be about 18 years old or so, he crossed paths with his biological mother. He actually got on a train ride yep. to go see her. She went to go see her. And she actually thought he would hate her. And the opposite was true. David, who is a believer in the Lord, embraced her and she just melted. And he said, thank you, thank you, thank you for choosing life, for placing me for adoption. I love my family. I'm so grateful. It changed her life. And she, as a Christian herself now, speaks about this story and shares the value of life and what's happened with her. David does the same thing. And it was just such an moving story. And there's other twists along the way. And so we began talking to Kirk and we said, this has got to be a feature film. So we shot it uh, last year and can't wait for people to see it this year. And it's a buddy film because he's with a, he's with a friend who's filming the whole journey yeah. and they go skydiving together. There's some twists and turns that yes, Alex didn't mention. Yeah, there's cliff jumping, skydiving, ATV racing, a knife throwing, a wrestling <laughs> that all happened in real life. So we didn't have to create any of this. We just said, if it really happened in your story, we're sticking it in the movie. So we did. And so we can't wait for you to see it. And you watch Kirk age over 20 years like a Chia pet on steroids. So, <laughs> Which is, that's always entertaining. That's right. They just, they, we, we found this you know, kind of this fountain of youth filter that takes me right. back to where I'm like 35 years old. And right. then they found the ugly lens that really aged me even <laughs> further than I am right now. So it, it's exciting all the way around. I think it's something, it got something for all the guys. It's got something for the ladies. Um, it's got heart and humor, action, adventure. It's a three or four Kleenex movie. It's very emotional. Um, and it's not political. So you can bring your family, your friends, you can bring your church group, your small group, and regardless of their political persuasions, I think they're going to love this movie because it's pro-family, pro-forgiveness, pro-reconciliation, and it has gospel fruit all over it. Yes. Well, and we think about the divine timing, Kurt. You contacted us. Uh, now we look back and see the Lord was all over that. None of us had any, any idea that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. Hmm. Uh, we were just by faith following what we believe God was leading us to do. And now it's unbelievable how this movie being a true story, it has something to speak to, you know, girls that are in crisis pregnancies or unwanted pregnancies. It has something to speak to families concerning adoption there's so much that's here that's really needed right now in our generation. You know, it's funny as you talk about it, I was a little bit surprised because I feel like the pro-life angle kind of comes in right at the end. I mean, I feel like if I had to wait it, it felt like about 90% adoption, about 10%, very, very, very strong 
pro-life message right at the end. How did you guys balance those two themes as you thought about what you were going to emphasize or, or did you mostly just follow the script of the documentary? We, we, uh, we re-edited the film. (laughs) Well, well, so (laughs) the chronology pretty much follows the way the story actually happened. And it's late in the documentary and late in the journey of David meeting Melissa, his biological mother, when she asked him to join her at a location when he arrived there. It was the now closed clinic where she went to have an abortion. And so she walks him through that. And she did in the documentary, she did in real life. And so we put it in the film at about the same point in their relationship and journey. So it wasn't a um, strategy to let's catch him at the end or whatever. We're basically reflecting as best we could what really happened. And so, and it's so moving to watch it and to see what she really did, what she really said. And we created very little for this film. We, Hmm. we followed uh, 90, 95% exactly what happened. And it was, it was fun to do it that way. And it's our first movie based on a true story where the real people got to come on set and we're showing them clips you know, with actors portraying them and they're crying on set going, this is exactly how it happened, you know? And so it's been exciting for us and challenging at the same time to be authentic to the story. Not only that, there's some secret stuff in here that you wouldn't know unless uh, you were talking to us. And since you are, (laughs) the way we wrote some of the dialogue was by interviewing the real biological mother and David, Mm. the young man and, and others in the adoptive family. And we actually used words coming out of their mouth for the dialogue in the movie. So you're going to hear them say things that they really told us, that they really said to one another. And those are some of the most powerful uh, scenes and words in the movie. Not only that, there are some secret actors in the movie (laughs) where uh, if you know where to look and when to look, you will find the real biological mother as well as David, the son, and even the adoptive mother in the movie playing secret roles. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, let me talk about adoption for just a minute. Obviously, that's sort of the core of the story here. And Kirk, I want to direct this towards you. You have, and you can, if I'm off on this, you can correct me. You have six children, I believe four of whom are adopted. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah. How did your own experience with adoption play into, well, all of it, your desire to tell this story, the way that you told the story, the themes and messages here. Talk about that for a minute. So when I first watched that short documentary film, Alex uh, mentioned a few minutes ago called I Lived on Parker Avenue, it was really kind of a a fluke thing. Someone sent it to me. Uh, I told my wife about it. She said, oh, you ought to watch that. So I did. And it wrecked me. Why did it wreck me? Uh, Well, because I'm an adoptive father. And I just was overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude for those young women that I never met who chose to give life to my oldest son and my two daughters and my son, Luke. And then I thought about the young lady who chose life for my wife, Chelsea, who also was adopted. I mean, all five of them were one doctor appointment away, Mm. maybe moments away from not existing. And if Chelsea Mm. hadn't been born, Either would our two natural born children, Olivia and James. And so I thought, man, this has to be 
a movie that people see. And again, like Stephen said, we had no idea that Roe v. Wade was going to be overturned. So I look now and uh, I see something that might uh, equal a wink from heaven <laughs> when I see how everything has fallen into place, the timing of it, the way that God's opened doors. We've been praying since the beginning that God would show us his favor. And so from the script to the actors who were playing the roles, to the crew that was pulled together, uh, the location that we shot it at, and the timing of the release. Even uh, the Fathom Events distribution is all working together, I believe, for the good of this nation and all who see it, hmm. because um, it points us to life. And more than that, it points us to eternal life. That's right. Wow. That's right. And the Kendrick brothers, you have 12 children between you. Are any of those adopted? Uh, I have a daughter adopted from China, Mia. Okay. Uh, we actually featured her in the movie, Show Me the Father, which obviously you've not seen, Adam. Because you would... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, when my wife and I adopted Mia, it was just an incredible God moment for us because to see that God will give you the same love for an adopted child as he does for your biological children. And we don't walk around our house thinking she's adopted. We just walk around knowing she's our daughter hmm. and she's just as loved and welcomed and blessed. And I was able to baptize her two Sundays ago. Hmm. So it's just been incredible to watch her journey. And even now to see that she is using her adoption story to point other people back to Jesus. So hmm. I'm super grateful for that. All right. So Two scenarios. Somebody walks in and they're maybe in a crisis pregnancy and they see this movie and they're considering giving up their child for adoption. Or maybe, uh, you know, someone comes in and they're considering adopting. How do you think the movie will potentially affect them? Um, and how are you hoping people will respond to that? This is why we are excited about going with Fathom for this theatrical release. Fathom said, do you have any extra value pieces you want to add that makes the movie more than just a normal uh, movie going experience? And we said, yes. So, hmm. and again, this is the Lord's timing. We have filmed Kirk, Stephen, uh, myself, and a few other friends, a 10 minute post movie interview that addresses that very thing. It'll be shown in the theaters yeah. when the movie's over. In the theaters. So when someone goes to see the film, if they find themselves in a similar uh, scenario, not only will the movie minister to them as is, but afterwards we point to resources and hope, hear a testimony from a woman who's been on both sides of that issue and is now walking with the Lord and how she experienced healing and hope and redemption. And uh, Kirk shares his stories of, uh, of adoption. And at the end, we present hope through Jesus Christ. We present the gospel uh, mm -hmm. using the Romans road of hope through Jesus Christ. And so we were able to add those things to the story. So again, we can't wait to see what the Lord does with this. You will hear the gospel clearly. You'll hear a uh, path to hope clearly. Uh, Lifemarkmovie.com. We also add more resources that people will be able to go to depending on their scenario. Mm -hmm. So we're doing everything we can to not only share a wonderful, powerful, true story, but to give them hope and direction. And so again, we're excited about it coming out uh, September the 9th. Well, that's awesome. And so my last question uh, is, why is it important for people, if they're interested in this movie, to go sooner rather than later? People may not realize the importance of opening weekend. Talk about that for just a moment. 
Well, uh, after an opening weekend, theaters decide, are we going to shut this movie down uh, immediately, if not sooner? Or are we going to expand it to more theaters in more states? Uh, this movie is being released in 48 states on September the 9th uh, in 1,400 theaters, I think, Alex. And uh, we're, it's an incredible opportunity for people in a city to gather together in a, you know, not at one specific church or whatever, but to gather together, be entertained and inspired with popcorn in their lap and be caught up in a storyline where they don't have to cover their kids' eyes or ears or apologize for what they've just seen. They're going to see their values encouraged and reinforced on the screen rather than dishonored. And then they're going to be inspired to get engaged in their community and with the people that are around them. And so I love the fact that LifeMark is going to be a tool, uh, almost like a weapon in the battle, you know, mm -hmm. a tool on the tool belt of people where you're going to be able to hand this to a girl who is, uh, pregnant, doesn't know what to do, hand this to a couple that's praying about adoption, hand this to a pastor, take a pastor to go see the film, and you may want to launch an adoption ministry or a mm -hmm. women's center or whatever. And so there's so much fruit. Or now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned in the national level, the fight has been dropped down to the state level. Mm -hmm. And there are so many state legislators that need to be reminded and encouraged what is true mm. and lovely and, yes. excellent and good and just and compassionate. And this movie is going to put rocket fuel uh, as they're trying to pray through the decisions of using their influence. You've got business owners that are now trying to fund, you yeah. know, girls to go to other states so they can get abortions. Well, when they watch this film, we hope it cha they change their mind and start ha helping to fund adoptions, yes. you know, because the golden rule is Jesus uh, challenged us to practice of treating other people like we want to be treated would say that what if you were the innocent child in a womb needing somebody to speak up for you? Or what if you were a girl and I want a pregnancy and you're afraid and to know that there's hope and healing and you need to make that decision about that child after you have held it in your arms and looked it in its face to decide if you're going to be able to raise that child or not, rather than being pressed into a decision that you may forever regret. So when we, as Kirk said at the beginning of this interview, when you plug love into this scenario, it brings clarity, it brings courage, and it brings compassion. Wow. And life. And life. And I think that's a terrific place to to stick the landing. I, I know you guys could probably talk for another hour about this. Obviously, you have a tremendous passion about it, and it's a tremendous issue uh, for us to be focusing on. So thanks again for taking some time to talk to The Plugged In Show today. And if you're interested, you can find out more at lifemarkmovie.com and I'm sure fathomevents.com will give you information on where you can find local screenings in your area as well. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Great talking with you. God bless you. Thanks. Well, joining me for our second segment today are Paul AC, Emily Clark, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. Hi. Well, Paul, you have been reviewing She-Hulk for us, and Emily, you wrote about the show when it was first announced, and today we're going to kind of just unpack what families can expect. So, Paul, give us the, the short version, I guess the unhulked version, of what <laughs> She-Hulk is all about, because you know when you become a Hulk, you get like eight inches taller. At least. I mean, that's, At least. that's what happens cool. to me anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen it happen. Right? Yeah, so it's not good. She-Hulk is Jennifer Walters, and she really just wants to be a lawyer. She doesn't really care to be 
a Hulk at all. She just wants to practice law and do her thing. And uh, but unfortunately, she was riding along in a, in a car with her her cousin Bruce Banner. They get into a car crash because of this big old alien spaceship. They both get cut. Bruce's blood sort of seeps into her skin, and so she becomes a Hulk, right? She takes on this this characteristic of a Hulk. The, the only difference is, is that she is actually able to retain her mind. It took Bruce Banner like 15 years to figure out how to yeah, do that. Yeah. She, is, she is a normal person just in a Hulk's body. So she's trying to sort of figure out how to balance these two worlds, this super-powered green world of hers and the legal world that she really wants to be in. Okay, so yeah. we're just a little ways into the season at this point, but with what we've seen so far, what is the good and the bad? And Emily, I want to bring you in to this conversation too, because you wrote about it when it was in production. But what can families expect here in terms of the heroic and perhaps the not so heroic? So this is probably one of the more winky, jokey um, installments in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So kind of tongue-in-cheek. It's fairly tongue-in-cheek. You know, it, uh, the actress, uh, she tends to break the fourth wall a lot, talk directly to the audience. But essentially, she, it's a very humorous character. She's trying to balance these two different worlds. She wants this to be a lawyer show. She talks to us yeah, about yeah. wanting to be a, just a fun lawyer show, but she's going to have to explain about this Hulk thing right away so that we don't get distracted by it. Um, I, and I, I like that aspect of it. I, I think that, you know, Bruce is sitting here like trying to force her into this mold and say, here's what you got to be. So to be a superhero, you're going to you're going to do this and it's going to take you this long. And she's like, but I don't want to be a superhero. Yeah. I still want to be a lawyer. He's all, but you got to help people. She's like, I'm going to help people as a lawyer. You know, and so she <laughs> is kind of resisting the pressure that, you know, society is putting on her. And I, I like that aspect of it. She was kind of pushing back and it was kind of a, it was a cute story. It, well, it really is. And it, just to riff off of that point, it's it's an interesting thing. In the NCU, we are used to seeing super-powered characters, you know, either be heroes or villains. Mm. What if you get superpowers and you just want to be a normal, everyday person? I mean, you know? that's what happened to me. Yeah. And it's yeah. working out. Yeah. So. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what happened to you. So we've got a number of subtexts here, and we'll get to the actual content concerns here in a minute. But I think this is a great place to, to ask you, Emily. You wrote about this about a year ago when the show was first well, in yeah, production. And so. What I wrote was all speculation because we didn't even have pictures at the time of what the show was going to look like. Um, and the title of the article that I wrote is, Will She-Hulk Smash Sexist Stereotypes? Oh, I see what you did there. Or Slip Into Them? <laughs> yes. It was a very clever title. I can't claim it. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Paul came up with that one for me. <laughs> yes. I can't but the rest remember. of the article is mine. <laughs> um, no, and, you know, my, my concern was whether or not um the show was gonna sit there and make winks and nods and jokes about women because you have this tiny little five foot four actress who's becoming a hulk you know and six you guys, foot seven <laughs> six foot okay so that's more than eight inches <laughs> you're right but i was an english major yeah, not a math well. major <laughs> regardless she grows and so i was wondering you know paul does does the show make a lot of jokes about, you know, weight gain, weight loss, 
are there references to women's time of the month because you know she gets angry you become the hulk when you get angry and Mm. there's there's so many jokes in hollywood already about this stuff which is why i wondered if she hulk was going to fall into that stereotype or if it was actually going to go in a fresh direction you know it really does go in my opinion and we've only seen you know very limited amounts of this show so far but it really does go in a more fresh, as you say, positive direction. Okay. In a lot of ways, the character, uh, Jennifer Walters, is actually a Hulk improved in a way, Mm -hmm. right? Because Bruce Banner, he had to work through a lot of issues to get to where he could be normal. It looks (laughs) like... (laughs) It looks like She-Hulk, it really has all the brains and all the brawn that... You know, she she feels very integrated. The most sexist thing really is probably the title. And and there's even a little wink to say, you know, we never actually give ourselves these titles, right? Mm. They, they're always <laughs> given to us. It's better yeah. than Hulk yeah. Girl. It's better than it, Hulk Girl. It is. It is. I, I think they actually, if anything... Uh, do the opposite of what you predicted, Emily. I, I feel like, if anything, they almost make fun of the men more, at least. And granted, I've only seen the pilot episode so far. My wife and I sat down and we're like, hey, let's try this show. It was interesting because literally she's learning faster. She's adapting better. And she even has some banter with Bruce Banner about, you mean better? He's like, well, not that better. And she's like, no, better, right? You know. And so she's <laughs> honestly, she's kind of one-upping him in lots of ways and proving that a lot of what she, he's like, but you know, it's so hard to deal with anger. And she's like, I deal with this all the time. Men doing cat calls on the street and all this and kind of set that stage is that, you know, it's a tough world that women live in and she's already going to adapt to this better because she's a woman and because she's stronger. I thought that was, I thought that was good. I thought it was creative. I thought it was a good pushback to the norm. Yeah. So that kind of does sound like it's uh, like they are smashing the stereotypes. So that's actually good to know. I'm yeah. glad that my article did not come to fruition. <laughs> you will not hear knows? me say I mean, that it very could, often. It could, go, it could go that route, and I'm sure they're going to have men trying to impose that kind of stuff on her, but maybe they'll show her reacting to that. It'll be interesting to see what the season does. Mm. It seems like the entire MCU is actually going in a more uh, female-centric direction. You know, you have Ms. Marvel, you have a lot of, of elements here that sort of push uh, women superheroes more into the forefront in yeah, this, you in have this fourth stage. Yeah, because you have Hawkeye as well, so yeah. Well, let's talk about what parents may want to know about content concerns, because I think so far we've had what might seem like a pretty glowing and positive conversation, but this is TV 14, and we definitely have some content concerns that mm. I think parents will want to be aware of. Tell us about those, Paul. Yeah, you know, it, it is jokey, right? It is jokey, it is light, and yet the content concerns here are significant, um, you have some language. You have an allusion to uh, even an F word uh, in the pilot episode. Mm. Um, there's a lot of sexual banter in a way. And quite a bit of profanity, I thought. There is quite a bit of profanity, yeah. And, and, and of course, you always have the, the violence that you expect from any of these sorts of stories. But I think that, that this feels like a more adult, and not in a good way, a more adult uh, show for the MCU. 
And, and I and one thing I think is hard too is I, I you know when it comes to drinking, especially being a friend of several alcoholics, the drinking thing is always set up to be like no big deal. And I thought they did that as well. And I think it's normal in so many movies we love. I mean, honestly, in some of the Lord of the Rings films and Captain America, there's so many of those that that happens where it's kind of like oh, drinking's just it's all funny, you know. And this one, what did like so many movies did, you know, drinking is no big deal. So something to be aware of, something that might be a point of discussion with your families. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's of a piece with what we've seen from Marvel recently in that there's content to deal with here. And even though we may still think of, even though we shouldn't, comic books as kids' stories, this one's not. Uh, I think this is one that's definitely aimed at an adult audience. And I think we've had a great conversation today helping you guys get up to speed on She-Hulk. Well, now it's time for a part of the show we call Pop Culture Connection. And this is a game in which one person on our team gets to feel great about how smart they are while the rest of us retreat in shame and self-loathing. While the rest of us, you know, just claim that they're still tired. Exactly. <laughs> just Not tired. Coffee. I'm just tired. Uh, so each week our producer, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Adam. Ashley, prepares some fun Oh, brain scrambling questions about pop culture. And our job is to give as many answers as possible in 30 seconds. So, you know, if we scored this qualitatively, it would be a totally different game. But it's quantitative. Yeah, Paul, Paul, Paul would right. win every week. Yeah, every he, he would. week. But every as it week. is, Jonathan's sort of our reigning gold medalist. So anyway, Ashley, over to you. All right. I'm going to have Paul go first. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Terrifying. We're starting with quality before quantity. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. You're being awfully nice to me this morning, Jonathan. It's going to freak me out. (laughs) This is a question that we've had before. However, you have not had it. All right. Mm. So I'm interested to hear your answer. Mm. What is the worst film you have ever seen, and why did you dislike it? Oh, you know what? I'm going to have to go Night of the Lupus. Is it lupus? Oh, yeah, it is lupus. Yeah. It's about these killer bunny rabbits that, that attack this town, right? Um, and it, it, basically, it's about, you know, the reason why it's so terrible is that bunnies are not scary. The blood is really fake. You can see, like, gigantic bunny wranglers sometimes in the background. The acting is terrible. <laughs> the plot doesn't make any sense. It y- You really get confused as to who's doing blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Thank you honestly, for that last I one. think that we can just stop now because hashtag bunny wranglers. <laughs> bunny wranglers. Yes. You, That's you awesome. see, these, you bunny see these bunnies like they have this miniature road, miniature power lines. You have these bunnies that are supposed to be attacking everything. Oh and God. you just see this gigantic what would be 40 foot tall guy with a little broom. Oh, how funny. That's awesome. Now that guy would freak me out more than the Ironically, I now want to go see Night of the Lupus or whatever this was I totally do. And and Paul, for the record, you just beat me because that's the question that when they asked me, I got zero. Really? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I could not think of a single one yet. You just don't watch as many of those bad movies as I do. No, there's just so many of them I couldn't choose one. You got six points, Paul. Good job. Good job. All right, Emily. All right, let me let me take one quick sip. Take some coffee. coffee. Yep. (laughs) Does feel like we need to do like air punches or something like that to warm up for this game. I need what something. What was his name? Uh, uh, Arsenio Hall. That's Bre- it. Breakfast yes. Club. Oh, I, couldn't right. think, I, I was thinking club. Wesley Snipes, but I'm like, this no, is another question that we've had before, but you have not answered it. Okay. 
what award show, Golden Globes, Oscars, Grammys, Tonys, would you want to attend and why? Oscars, 100%, because I studied film in college, because I would get to hopefully meet some stars, um, some people who I admire in the film industry, um, because they always typically have somebody who's entertaining hosting it. They always have performances during it, um, because it'd be really fun to sit there and look at the the showing later and be like, oh, look, there, there's the back of my head, or oh, I sat in that seat while Jennifer Lawrence got up and went to the bathroom. <laughs> right on. Wow. Well, you are I tied think that with was Paul. Uh, foiled again. <laughs> Will there be a showdown between me and him, there like a bonus round? Depends Ooh. on how badly Jonathan blows you all out of the water. So. Oh. What you should do is you should ask one question and have us say it at the very same time. Yeah. You like, like, that's a possibility. Yeah. It might be a new oh, yeah. spinoff game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Except we couldn't understand what anybody was saying. <laughs> no, so that idea is not going to work. Mm. Sorry. All right. Adam, you're up. Late. I'm up. <laughs> All right. Another repeat question. Oh, okay. Good. This is a good one. Oh, cool. I hope who, it's a Star Wars question. Who do you think is the best superhero of all time and why? Well, that would be Vision because he has multiple <laughs> colors. He is red, green, and yellow. He has a solar gem in his head. He's married to Scarlet Witch. Well, at least sometimes. Um, he was created by Ultron to be a bad guy, but ultimately becomes a good guy. He is an android trying to figure out if he can be like a human, which is kind of like Spock. He flies. He's intangible. He can change his density. Um, he fires solar <laughs> beams from his eyes. Um, in the comics, his words are in blocks instead of round bubbles. Wow. Boom. I don't think I've ever heard you answer a question so quickly or enthusiastically. You got into double digits, Adam. Oh, I got double 11. Yes. I got 11, 11 points. That's the best you've ever answered a question. And I, I don't know if being married to Scarlet Witch is really a great thing these days. Sometimes. Sometimes. I really hope Sometimes. you're not bagging on okay, Scarlet this is, Witch. Okay, this is how we redeem that. This is okay. how you redeem this in your head. Scarlet Witch loved him very deeply and very truly. That is true. That so, is true. Do you know that later on, Scarlet Witch is with Doctor Doom? No, that's yeah. crazy. Oh but we can talk about that on another so, podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm just... We are nerding out right now. Yeah, now Jonathan, eleven is your goal, brother. Jonathan, well, twelve if you want to win. You didn't even say that he could mow the lawn with I'm, his special powers. I'm very powers. content in who I am, and I plan on getting three. <laughs> Well, we are not deceived by your false humility. (laughs) All right, Jonathan. Okay. Who do you consider to be the best movie character from the 80s and why? Ooh, that would be a hard one. I'll go with Mad Mardigan from Willow because it's played by Val Kilmore. He's funny. He's adventurous. Uh, He's got long hair. He meets his wife in the film, of course, and that's really cool. He plays with these two little characters who are really cool, got squeaky voices. It's, of course, a character that's directed by, you know, Ron Howard, you know. Uh, Like I said, uh, it kind of has this kind of like old, like uh, medieval feel, you know. It's fantasy. It's fun. It's Oh, only 10. Adam beat me. Adam beat you. But that was such a great answer. I love Willow. Willow Willow's sort of like a forgotten gem. Willow's awesome. Kind of from the 80s. Okay. Well, haven't seen it. That was actually. Storyline by George Lucas. You should look into it. Yeah, that was actually one one of my wife's favorite movies. So I had to, you know, that was props to her right there. 
right I took on. one for the team. I just want to <laughs> Well, I think it was a terrific and entirely unexpected answer, and we are thankful. I was very, I that was you very gave surprised. It. <laughs> well, thanks again for spending some time with us today at the Plugged In Show. And if you've enjoyed the show today, please tell your friends. Word of mouth really is the best way to get our show out there. And you can also leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast player you use. We would also love to hear from you. So if you have a favorite Kendrick Brothers movie that you'd like to tell us about, we want to hear about it. If you think She-Hulk is the best Marvel TV show or the worst or somewhere in between, we would love to hear about that too. And you can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or send us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Each week we try to give you a little snippet of what's happening in popular culture and how it applies to your family. And we hope that we have given you some things to consider this week. And we look forward to joining you for another episode of The Plugged In Show next week. Messing up at school can be embarrassing, but Average Boy is used to it. He tries, fails, and tries again thanks to help from his friends Billy, Jenny, and Sarah. Join Average Boy in his very first fun-filled novel called Average Boy's Above Average Year. He deals with bullies, homework, and more while following God and showing God's love to others. Check out this book, perfect for the 8-12 to year olds in your life, at AverageBoy.org. That's AverageBoy.org.